So welcome from whenever and wherever you are watching from to Elements live stream. I would just like to say a quick thing about the election that happened last week. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. It's not in elected officials. And so no matter if it went the way you wanted or the way you didn't want, Jesus is still Lord over all. And we can lift him up in all places at all times because that is the people who we are supposed to be. We believe that he is the one who's going to bring hope and and reconciliation to the world. It doesn't happen in men. It happens in him. So let's always be a people who lift up him first. Now, guys, we go into the message. Remember, in the middle of this, we are going to have a slide that pops up. It's going to have a question on it. And during that question, you can hit pause in the live stream and take care of your kids, get a cup of coffee, maybe even journal or answer that question that's there with other people that are around you. Uh, if you have a smart device, uh, you can open that up and get an app called Uversion. In Uversion, uh, you, you click on More and then Events, and we will come up by GPS in your smartphone if you're in our local area. If not, you type in 93455 and you will get uh, verses, questions, announcements, everything that goes with today's message. My name is Aaron. I am one of the pastors at Element. And if you would like, you can stand with me for the reading of God's word. This is Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. And it says, For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Let's pray. Father, we ask that today you would take us and make that so deeply impressed upon us that whether we live or die, we live for you that you are the one who rescues and redeems us. And our focus of what we say and what we do and what our hearts are drawn towards would be you. That you'd be glorified by our words and our actions and our lives and that that would in turn relate to the joy that we as your people live in. So teach us to love you as we walk through this last part of the book of Acts. Amen. Amen. Well, you can have a seat if you were standing up, but this is, again, the last week in the book of Acts. I mean, technically, last week was the last week in the book of Acts because we rounded out the verses, but this is the last for our series. So we're going to kind of round it all out and talk about a few different things. Uh, Acts part two was 43 weeks long. Acts part one, about, you know, four and a half years ago, was 36 weeks long. And to be honest, when I write series like this, I come up with all the titles before I even start writing the series. And this is where I had to today's title from is where do we go from here i think in the notes it even says i think where did paul go from here but i think it's much more applicable to us now is where do we go after we finish the book of acts and that's what we're going to talk about as we look at a little bit of paul's continuing story and what our continuing story is supposed to look like Uh, most people will say that paul didn't die at the end of his imprisonment in rome here Paul will actually get out of jail and then spend about three to five years doing more ministry and then get rearrested again where he will be beheaded by the Emperor Nero. Nero didn't really start cracking down on Christianity until a little bit after 64 AD. At this point, Rome catches on fire. Some people say Nero did it. No one's really sure who did it, but Nero definitely didn't put it out. 
He must have liked watching it burn. And the people got really upset at him and said, what are you doing? And so Nero deflected and he started saying, well, it's those Christians. Those Christians say their God is a consuming fire. And soon after this is that first big widespread persecution against Christians. Paul was most likely released, though, in about 62 AD. He was most likely beheaded between 65 to 67 AD. If you have a Bible, open Acts chapter 28. And as I said uh, last week, that really Luke only gives us 16 verses of what happens after Paul comes into the city of Rome, and 14 of those are taken up with conversations and connections with the Jewish leaders. Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, takes up 14 verses of those last 16 talking to the Jewish leaders. And so we really don't know a whole lot of the specifics of what happened while Paul was there. But we do read this at the very end of Acts. Acts 28, verses 30 and 31. says, He, that's Paul, lived there in Rome two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, if we want to learn a little bit more about Paul's labors, what you do is you start to look at the books that he wrote while he was in prison in Rome. And there's a few of those. There's Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, this book called Philemon. Those are all written while he is in Rome under house arrest. Colossians is going to be taken out and be delivered to that church by two guys, a guy named Tychicus and a guy named Onesimus. Uh, Ephesians is going to be delivered by Tychicus, and then Philemon is going to be delivered by this guy named Onesimus. Now, that's really an interesting story as well. Because Onesimus, he's this runaway slave. And somehow he got connected with Paul while Paul was in Rome. He heard about the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he believed. He believed. And then he starts to realize that the sin that he was freed from was a much greater debt and a much greater burden than him actually being a slave. And so what Paul does is he writes a letter to Philemon, the guy who actually owned Onesimus. And he sends Onesimus back to Philemon with this letter where Paul asks that Philemon would let Onesimus go free as a legal way, as he was a legally freed slave. And that all must have actually happened because the last few years of Paul's life, Onesimus was a faithful worker with him. There's a lot of cool stories that take place that we don't get the full depth of what it is, but at some point I would like to. Uh, Open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. These are some verses that we have looked at over the last few weeks. Uh, Right before Paul was released, he writes that book of Philippians. And there are, again, several verses in here that relate to what he did and what he's going through, but I think this is one of the most important that we can see. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, Paul says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear." It is that God is advancing the gospel through Paul being in prison and all that he is going through. This forward progress of the gospel is shown throughout Paul's adversity. And Paul wants all of us to learn something from that. And so Paul says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, really served, it's two different words. The word really kind of translates as turn out. And that word for served is this word malon, and it means to a greater degree or for a better reason. And so what Paul is saying is that all of my circumstances, all of the things that I have been through are really turning out for a better reason. And what is that better reason? Paul says the advancement of the gospel. 
And I think when we look around the world today, whether it's the pandemic or election results, whatever they are, what are we looking forward to? The greater advancement of the gospel, of what God is going to do in all things. And so it's really important for us, as we end the book of Acts, to talk what we always seem to talk about element, and that's the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is that Jesus lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. And he gives his life for our death in exchange so that we can have relationship with God again. The gospel is the news about what Jesus did to rescue us. That we are a people who have run from God. We are a people who constantly think that we know what to do better than God knows what to do. And we want to call what is right and what is wrong and what is in and what is out. And what we tend to do when we do that is destroy our lives and the world in the process. But God in his wisdom and kindness has brought and given us a salvation that depends not upon ourselves or our own good works, but on God's definitive act to rescue us in the person of Jesus Christ. That is the beauty of the gospel. And what God then does is he takes his people, which is all of us, including Paul, and he sends us out to be people who herald, who tell that good news to the world of what God has done to rescue us. You know, the word gospel means good news. It's this word called evangelion. Evangelion at its core means telling of good news. That's what it means. If you were to go and you would open up your favorite news app, whatever that is, and you actually have someone who gives you real news, not like your friend's Facebook page is always posting something they found somewhere that may be true or not, we don't know, but real news that's spoken by someone who is actually a herald of the truth. And this news brings relief and hope. Well, that's an evangelion. This could be a better jobs report. It could be that that proposition that you didn't want to pass didn't pass, or the one that you wanted to pass you know, did pass, or California got rain, or the fires got put out, or, or whatever. A herald is someone who is going out and telling good news. But when Jesus calls us to be those who go out and spread the gospel, that is the ultimate good news that mankind has ever heard. And that good news is what Jesus did to rescue us. There are a number of places in the scriptures where it tells us to declare the gospel to every creature. And I love that this is the word that was chosen to speak about what we do in the world. This whole definition of what Jesus did for us is good news. I've told you before, a gospel was news of this objective history changing event that everybody in every situation needed to respond to in one way or another. A gospel is that announcement of this history changing event that affects everybody. Now, where the people in, particularly Paul and Jesus' time, understood this word evangelion to come from was the most famous example was in 490 BC. It is what is called the Battle of Marathon. The Persians are invading Greece. The Athenian army is going out on the plains of Marathon to battle against the Persians, and everyone expected the Athenians to lose, that the Persians would just roll right over them and go into Athens and then burn and loot the entire city. So the people back in Athens, they're just freaking out. It's like, we got to put our stuff into the carts and get him out of town, and there's looting and rioting. It's just madness in the entire city. But lo and behold, what happens on the plains of Marathon is the Athenians won. No one would have ever thought that that would have happened. And as soon as they win, they think, oh my goodness, somebody needs to run back into Athens and tell them we've run so those people can stop freaking out so much. So they grabbed this runner, and they sent this runner all the way back into the city from the plains into Athens. And that's where we get our distance of a marathon from. So he runs into the city and all he is able to cry out is rejoice, we've triumphed. And then legend says that he falls down dead from the run. 
I understand that. If I had to run like 100 yards, I'd probably fall down dead and, and after the 100 yards. But that's the good news. There, He run, tells the good news. You don't have to freak out anymore. There is hope. There's life. You're going to be okay. The greatest news ever is what Jesus has done to bring us back into relationship with God and others again. And so when Jesus says, go and proclaim the gospel to everyone in creation, that's an enormity of a call for us that he sends us out. And what, is, what he's really saying is, you're the runners. You're the runners. I'm sending you from the plains of wherever it is out to the world to tell people this good news of this rescue. And the message of Jesus, and all this is not advice on how to live. It's not that, oh, we beat the Persians, or here's how you can find God. The gospel is his history-changing, momentous event that changes our entire situation. And everybody, in one way or another, needs to respond to that. In Jesus, the kingdom of God comes near. And if we reject him, well, then history will reject us. For us, it'd be like finding the cure for cancer or COVID. And you give it to yourself or your family and nobody else. Or maybe a good friend comes down with like, oh, okay, I'll help you all. But nobody else. That'd be a horrible thing to do. It'd be like the zombie apocalypse actually comes true. And you have like food and shelter and ammo to take care of yourself. But you don't help anybody else. That's a terrible way to do that. You, you must take care of one another. Jesus says... This is what it's like to know me and not announce it to the world. You're my runners. You're my heralds. You're to tell everybody of the good news of what I have done. Think about how weird this is. If you have like a favorite band, you start telling everybody about that band. Have you heard this song? Have you heard the way this goes? Oh, it's so great. You hum it for them. You sing it for them. Uh, I was sitting with some friends this week and we were talking about TV shows. And as we're talking about TV shows, it's like, well, have you seen this or have you seen that? And we start, you know, proselytizing about our TV shows. We say things like, oh, oh, just get, get past the first couple of episodes. It really gets better. And then, then you really like it. We all talk about things like this. We're very excited about our TV shows. How is it that we can be so excited to lift up TV shows and instruments played by fallen people and not the God who has rescued and saved us? Sometimes people say, I'm very committed to sharing the gospel, but what they share is not the gospel at all. Sometimes it becomes this weird Christian gibberish. See, the gospel, in a word, is Jesus. It is a definitive act of what he did, his life, his death, his resurrection, and we can share with our neighbors, Jesus changed my life, but that's not the gospel. That's the result of what the gospel brings. Like you can tell people God loves you, but that's not really preaching the gospel. I mean, it could be part of it because God loves us so much that Jesus came to rescue and save us. So it's kind of the impetus behind why Jesus came, but it's not the entirety of the gospel. Again, the gospel is that definite news of what Jesus did to rescue and save us. And if I could just kind of get everybody to walk around and get that in their heads, and someone says, what's the gospel? You know what it is. The life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And this is the ideas of what God has planned to do for us from the foundation of the world in rescuing and saving us, who Jesus is, what he has done. And then that will go out into all the implications of how we, by grace, get to also partake in those benefits. And throughout Acts, what you see is these people constantly going out with that message as those runners, as those heralds out into the world. And then God constantly throws them a little curveball and puts them in positions they never dreamed, from Peter to the apostles to you know, Paul himself. It's that God, when he sends his people out, he has a better plan. 
And so he moves to send us where he wants us to go. God said to Paul, you're going to get to Rome. And I'm sure Paul is thinking, great, I'm going to get out of jail. I'm going to get on a ship. I'm going to go there. And he didn't. He stayed in jail. So Paul writes this book called Romans. And then God sends him to Rome on a ship. And Paul then gets to preach to prisoners and soldiers and sailors and island natives and people who run the island and all these different people all the way as he goes into Rome. Everything Paul went through was for the advancement of the gospel. He says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. This word advance, it's this word called prokope, and it's used in extra biblical sources of, as like an army or an expedition that goes ahead and chops down the, the bushes and the trees so an army could advance. We're going to go this way, so I'll clear the way of what's in front of you. And Paul says, I want you to know that's why this has happened to me. That's why I've gone the direction I have gone that God took me through all that I have gone through. And this is the understanding that all the things that we go through from a human perspective that seems to be obstacles of defeat are actually in the end providence of instruments of victory that God is using in our lives. Acts teaches us that we need to stop looking at everything in life from a merely a human point of view. We need to see what God is actually doing. I mean, from a human standpoint, things don't always look so good. But from God's point of view, instead of Paul being captive to Rome, all those soldiers in the Praetorian Guard were captive to to God and to Paul. Paul's message becomes well-known, so well-known, that many people in that Praetorian Guard start to be followers of Jesus Christ. Paul will write, Philippians chapter 4, verse 22, All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The soldiers that Paul was chained together with start hearing this gospel over and over and over. They stood by as Paul dictates all of his letters. And far from hindering Paul, they become his personal bodyguards. And it's amazing the way God works to accomplish his purpose and promises. So here's my slide for my question for you today. And it's a really simple one. It might strip a lot of conversation or none at all maybe, but this is my question. What do you think that God is doing right now? You know, in the midst of pandemics and COVID and election results and all these things, what do you think God is doing right now? So just kind of talk about that. All right, so I'm going to tell you what I think God's doing right now. I think God is bringing about the further advancement of the gospel. That's what he's doing because that's what he always does. Luke most likely spent most of his time with Paul in Rome. Many scholars think that he wrote that last line in the book of Acts at the end of the two years. Acts 28 verse 31, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That means that one line sums up two years of imprisonment in Rome itself. What did Paul do in Rome? He proclaimed the kingdom of God. He was God's runner, clearing the way as he was there. He spoke of the gospel with boldness and without hindrance. Now, Nero may have looked at Paul's case. He may not have. May have gone to Nero's court. We don't know. They might have just seen it and said, oh, well, let that guy go. There's no reason for him to actually be here. Historically, there's not a lot of records from this time, so there's not a lot of direct evidence he ever got a real trial. But there is lots of evidence that Paul actually got let 
go. And this consists of the unanimous testimony of the early Christian writers after the apostles. So after prison, Paul goes on to continue to visit towns heralding this good news. He will write the books of First and Second Timothy and the book of Titus. And if you read the words of those books, you start to see some of the things that are happening in churches at that time. Because Paul will talk about what elders are meant to be. He will talk about why it's important to have sound doctrine. His view of Jesus and the gospel and grace just keeps expanding and growing. In Philippians 2.24, right before he gets out of jail, Paul says he expects to visit that church in Philippi again, which all evidence shows he actually did. And after that, he goes to visit Philemon, like Paul said he was going to do. He goes to a short visit in Spain. He goes again to a visit, visit Ephesus, where he left Timothy. He goes into Macedonia. And for Macedonia, he writes that book of 1 Timothy. And in that letter, he expresses the hope of rejoining him at Ephesus. But as I said, eventually Paul does get rearrested again in Rome. And this time, instead of being allowed to live in a hired home of his own, he's actually thrown into a dungeon. And in that dungeon, he will write the letter to 2 Timothy and the book of Titus, and then he is beheaded. And I think what Acts is trying to show us is not Paul's death in the second half of Acts. It's trying to show us Paul's life, what God did as God changed and moved Paul and grew him into the man that God wanted him to be how Paul began to understand that good news and then share that good news of Jesus with the world because that is the theme of the book of Acts. And this is how Acts starts. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when you read the book of Acts, chapter 1 through 7 is in Jerusalem. Chapter 8 through 11 is Judea and Samaria. Chapter 12 through the end of the book is to the ends of the earth. One writer says this, So incendiary was the flame of the gospel that soon Christians could be found in all parts of the empire. And I think the nearly 80 weeks of what we've done in Acts part 1 and Acts part 2, I hope you've been able to see that church's mission the excitement that God bred in them, the passion for the gospel, and how they spread from their homelands to the end of the world. And it shows that our mission in speaking to bring the gospel is globally and locally both. And last week I told you, sometimes churches get so focused on overseas missions that they forget what is local around them. But the opposite sometimes happens too. Some churches get so focused locally on their neighborhoods that they forget globally what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus' words and truth of the gospel brings this balance where we reach our neighbors and those around the world both. Our social witness, our money, our time, ourselves, our offspring, everything is meant to be put into the hands of Jesus as we walk with Him in all the ways that He sees fit for all of us. It is for other salvation and His glory, the forward advancement of the gospel. The whole idea of what happens after Acts 28 is the focus for a lot of organizations. Uh, one of my favorite ones is called Acts 29. Uh, they are trying to plant a thousand churches over 10 years in different places around the globe. And this idea that we see ourselves as part of God's movement, that it doesn't stop at the end of Acts chapter 28. It goes forward and we become like an Acts 29 people. A church is a gathering of people that are sent on mission who worship God in a fashion that brings Him great glory by how we speak and spread the gospel, that we, again, are those runners that God sends into the world. C.S. Lewis said this in his book called The Four Loves. Every Christian would agree that a man's spiritual health is exactly proportional to his love for God. 
And I think that's true. It means that we're rescued by God's love for us that, you know, comes about because of the gospel. But how we live and take that gospel forward is going to be proportional to how much we actually begin to love him back in our lives. Uh, right before COVID hit, we were starting to push this thing out into our gospel communities, and we called it Up, In, and Out. And Up was meant to be our connection with God, you know, the understanding of the gospel. And then the In was a divine inwardness of a caring church, like how we develop relationships with one another. John thirteen thirty five, Jesus says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so how we love one another comes as a result of the proclamation of the gospel. But then we're also called to be this outward church and outward people. Evangelistic, mission-minded, runners sitting from the field of marathon. And that extends the book of Acts out to our own day. It's that when we understand the gospel, it gives us a proper motivation of how to live this up, in, and out. And if we don't have that proper motivation of understanding the good news of the gospel, sometimes our message could become destructive and not beautiful. A real and proper motivation only comes when we understand the gospel better. And this is kind of seen in the gospel accounts a bit. Uh, Jesus sends his disciples out to speak of the good news of the kingdom of God in these different places. And so they go out and they do this and they come back and they're very excited when they tell people about the kingdom of God because they go out and people are healed and they're casting out demons and people believe. And this is what Jesus says when they come back. Luke 10 verse 20. He says, Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What he says is, don't rejoice in your perceived position or power. What you rejoice in is what God has already done for you, that God has loved you. Jesus is saying there's actually a kind of motivation for ministry and going out and teaching the truth that can actually be bad and not helpful. This is what we need to understand in in our big understanding of what the gospel is, how it's preached, how it's presented. Jesus says, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. Every time I read that, I always think, well, why not? I I would. Like, I'd be excited if I laid hands on people and they were healed or demons were like, ah, and they came running out of people like, whoa, want to see a party trick? (laughs) Watch this. I, I would do those things all the time. But you have to understand in context of what Jesus is saying, He's not saying there's anything wrong with celebrating what God's doing, but they're not excited that they've helped people or showed to the people. They got excited because of their perceived power, because they thought they had a privileged position. And this is like a lot of people on Christian TV today, which I also think is funny because of COVID. Everybody used to complain about TV preachers. We've all essentially become TV preachers at this point. But certain people on Christian TV become very impressed with themselves. And the disciples say, wow, Lord, you know, look at all the cool things we're doing. They're not, they're not saying, oh, husbands and wives are back together again. Children and parents, they're, they're joining together again. They're like, we're really something. Even the demons submit to us. And again, I think that might be me, right? But what Jesus does is redirect them, like I think he does for us. And he redirects them to remembering the point of the gospel. He says, you rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This means that you have citizenship in God's kingdom, that we are adopted. Having your name is written in heaven, it's not like having your name in the phone book. This is before the printing press or the internet. If you had your name written down somewhere in this culture at this time, you were either a criminal or you were very important. And the beauty of Christianity is that we are both of those things. We are both of those things, and God brings us into his family. In most towns, there's a written role role of who was a citizen, and you had to be very important to be a citizen. It's a very small minority who lived in a town. 
And so what Jesus is saying is, don't rejoice that you have power or your gifts or your performance. Rejoice that your names are written down by my Father, that you have been brought in, that our citizenship in the kingdom of God is by a work that God himself has done for us in Jesus. And we don't have to worry about what the world can do to us, you know, with pandemics and, and elections and you look at Paul's life and the shipwrecks and things like that. We are citizens of God's kingdom first. And we are sent to be his ambassadors, his runners to the world that reflect our true king, which means we get to proclaim the good news with grace and hope no matter the situation we find ourselves in. Ancient people from many cultures believed that when the judgment day come, there would be these books and they'd be open. and There'd be all the deeds you ever did in your life. And if you did more good deeds that outweighed your bad deeds, because that's how religion works, well, then you got a better inheritance. And if you did more bad deeds than good deeds, well, there's another place for you. See, this is the whole idea of what religion looks like versus what the gospel actually brings. Jesus says, let me tell you what the gospel brings. The gospel is that your name is written down. God has done a work to rescue and save you. It is past tense. Your name is written before the foundation of the world, before your earthly life is ever over. And so the gospel says you don't need to rejoice in what you do. We rejoice in who we are in Jesus. The results of the gospel is that we are already in. We are accepted by faith in Him. And when Jesus says those words, written in heaven, it's not about going to some other place and watching this world burn. It's the reality that God has welcomed us into the heart of all things, His own heart. If we rejoice in our self-image or what we do or our accomplishments, we're going to be all over the place. It's why Jesus says, rejoice in who you are in me, and you are absolutely secure. And if we want a motivation that is always there, that teaches us why and how we speak of the gospel with grace, well, that's it right there. Because we will have courage to speak the gospel regardless of what people think about us because our name is already written down by our Father. We can become gentle when people are harsh. We can be kind when people are mean. We can offer grace when people want to mock because our name is already written down by our Father. Jesus takes and he sends us on mission with that message. And we get to do it all in freedom no matter where he takes us because we understand his authority that is over us. He has already paid for our sin, called us into his family. He has adopted us, washed us, wrapped us up, and remade us. And that means we get to go out healing, loving, serving, showing practical love, whether people believe it or not. Because our salvation is not based on our works. It is based on a work that Jesus himself did for us. And he has the authority to apply that to every single one of us. Uh, Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38, Jesus says, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And that message of Acts is that he has sent us. We get to see the story of how he sent all these original disciples and apostles out and what they did. But the story continues with us, that we are those runners who go out and share the good news. And it's one of the reasons at Element we talk about the gospel so often and so much because we have to know what the good news actually is in order to proclaim that and share that with those around us. And I hope you indulge me today as I talk through our understanding of the gospel again as we seem to do so much because we need to have that foundation because that is going to be the motivation for what we do for how we speak about God's goodness and grace over us, for how we share with the world in ways that where we want to get frustrated, we don't. 
because we understand that God is calling us to be those runners who speak that good news to a world who quite frankly is melting down right now. But we get to be those who speak words of hope and grace and love because we have first received that. And that element, every week we take you to a place where we want you to remember what Christ said we're supposed to remember, and that is his life, death, and resurrection. So we talk about this thing called communion. And I know being at home, communion can be a little different and weird and odd at times, but if you have a cracker or bread and wine or grape juice, you break that cracker like Christ's body was broken for us, and you either dip it or drink wine or grape juice with it. It's a reminder of remembrance of what he has done to rescue and save us. It's a, it's a tactile thing that we do to remember. Jesus says, you know, when you gather, do this in remembrance of me, so we'd remember the gospel and speak that to one another. And that's why we do that. And if you are in a place today, maybe where you guys need prayer, maybe you've forgotten the good news of the gospel, or you felt like it's all about your effort and your energy, and you're always feeling like you're coming down on yourself, and you'd like someone to pray with you and remind you of what the good news of the gospel is, you can send an email to paradigmelement.org, connectedourelement.org. You can say something on the side of the live stream uh, if you're watching the live stream on Sunday morning. But if not, send us an email. We'd love to get a hold of you. If you need someone to talk to, we'd be more than willing to talk to you. Because our understanding of what the gospel is, is going to change everything about our lives and who we are. I mean, even when we talk about giving that element, giving is a response to our understanding of the gospel, that our God gave so much to us. So we are a people who give as well. We become generous because our God has first been generous with us. Uh, you can give online. Uh, up on top of our website, you can actually you know, mail in checks to Element if you want to. Because we are still giving and helping people that are around us. And I would also encourage you to, to grab those PDF sermon notes in, in the link tree. There'll be a link at the end, of the end of the sermon and all that. And you can click on that, and you get some of the questions that we're intending for you to ask one another about, you know, what is the gospel? You know, how can a true understanding of the gospel bring a motivation for us that speaks of the good news no matter where we are, no matter what we are going through? As let's be a people who understand that we are the ones that God has sent. God is God is omniscient and holy and good and unchanging and he takes us as his people and he sends us as his runners into the world to proclaim and herald that good news there is salvation god has brought it by a work of himself and we get to live in the gracious good news of that let's pray father we thank you for things like the book of acts these this book that walks through all these different spaces and times of your early apostles, you know, how they lived, and most importantly, looking at that, much of their difficulties. Father, so often we think that when we hear that you want to bless us, we think that our life is just going to go easy, that we're not going to have any problems at all, and yet you show us that really you are interested in the journey that you take us on to grow us into the people that you intend for us to be. So I ask that we would be those people who start to live out, you know, the Acts 29 in our lives. That we would step out and live in that forward proclamation of the good news of who you are. That we would herald that into our culture in ways that make sense. That when people are hurting, we can offer healing. When people are hopeless, we can offer hope. Because we have a hope. And that hope is you. And that we would be able to speak of the definitive act of restoration and redemption that you have done for us. That we would speak and proclaim this good news because you are good. And that we would live out 
our entire lives with that motivation in all that we do. And we ask this in your son's good name. Amen.